Just days away from the NBA trade deadline, what's the latest information on the Heat? We're joined by Yahoo Sports' Jake Fisher to talk about Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, and what the Heat are looking to do this next week. Can Miami pull off a trade to help them contend this season? Stay tuned and find out with an episode you can't afford to miss on today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked on Heat, your Monday to Friday podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. However you might be tuning in, YouTube, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts, thank you for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We're joined today by Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports. And as plugged in as anybody, as we get closer to the trade deadline, Jake, thanks so much for jumping on the show. Uh, before I ask you specifically about the Miami Heat, one name that's been on the Heat's radar now for a while is Jay Crowder. What's the latest you're hearing on his situation? So, Jay Crowder, I think everyone in the league is is a little bit tired of talking about. Um, <laughs> not to say that um, he has done anything. It's just that he hasn't done anything, right? It's kind of the direct opposite. And um, he's also, I mean, Jay Crowder is a good player, right? He was integral to Miami's championship run or run to the finals. Uh, you know, not the most important player, but starting level player. Um and no one's really expecting he will swing the title race, right? So I think that's, I mean, I, I, that's, I've, I've taken note of it the last week or so that there's been some fatigue um, in the voices of NBA people uh, about how long he has remained uh, a large talking point of this trade cycle. And clearly, Milwaukee, I think, has the greatest interest in him. That's kind of been. Uh, clear, I think, from the jump. Obviously, Miami and Atlanta have been mentioned very, very often. Um, and I know from the, from the beginning of this whole saga back in October, there were definitely people I spoke with um, around the situation, let's say, who, who believed that Miami was his preferred destination. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's a direct route for him to get to any of these three teams because if there was, probably would have happened by now, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, Milwaukee's talked plenty of three-team scenarios to try to um, acquire him. I think the the Atlanta stuff, I think, is kind of quieted. I haven't heard too, too much um, about him to Atlanta uh, in a while. And with Miami, it's really been – the word has always been about what players that he don't seem to have interest in moving for Jake Crowder. They just more have been linked to him as a general interest point. Like, it doesn't seem like – Caleb Martin is someone that they would uh, be willing to, you know, sacrifice in order to get Jay Crowder, which makes sense. He's younger, more cost effective. Why would you want to be uh, turning someone who's been a pretty plus, you know, starting caliber player for you this season into someone who hasn't played for four months? So um, we'll see if he gets moved. It would be pretty – at this point, as a sheer observer of the NBA – I'm kind of rooting for a scenario where he doesn't get moved because I would be fascinated to see if they'll be able to mend those fences and him to come back in Phoenix. But honestly, anyone's guess is better than mine as to what will occur because it doesn't seem like there's been any um, – I mean, there's been traction. There's been traction, but it doesn't seem like there's anything right now that seems close. Is a buyout 
even an option at this point? I have not heard that to this point, but if he if he comes up on February 10th as a member of the Phoenix Suns, I, I think it's I think it's possible. But they've just been they've been so adamant that they will only move him for value back. I mean, Atlanta says the same thing about John Collins, but Atlanta, we've definitely heard, we definitively heard that um, the Hawks would be comfortable keeping John Collins, that they're not just going to move him to move him. They want value return. So at least have that data point that Miami, or excuse me, that Atlanta would, at least considering the idea of John Collins being a Hawk post-deadline. I have not gleaned anything about what would happen in Phoenix if Jake Crowder has not been moved yet. Well, you mentioned fatigue voices before, and I do want to just say we appreciate you jumping on the show after uh, after the Eagles' big win on Sunday. You got <laughs> you it. Might man. have lost your voice a little bit, but um, John Collins, you, you mentioned him. What's sort of like the the price tag now? Like, what would Atlanta actually be looking for to get in return for somebody like Collins? Yeah, it's a good question because I've personally thought that Collins to Miami would make a lot of sense uh, yes. for both sides. Um, I don't know if there's a ton of pieces that could go back that would like immediately improve Atlanta. Um, I mean, the obvious like salary matching thing is is Duncan, of course. Um, but someone like Max Struess, who's in theory a, a two way player, um, which um, I don't think he's a lockdown defender, but I, I'm a big fan of Struess, and I think he has some physicality um, that you know if he's being and this is me just you know speaking ideologically here. I'm not reporting uh, a trade framework, but if you think about like someone like Struce heading back to Atlanta for a John Collins deal, I mean there'd be more opportunity as more of like a small ball four type, which I think defensively he makes a lot of sense um, as opposed to you know in a guard position. But um, with Collins, I think part of to being more big picture and back to Atlanta, like I think part of the um, the lack of move for him in years past is that there has not been like an obvious value price, whatever for him that Atlanta is looking in return. I think it would be, and it would have been far more easier for them to make a deal if they were looking for a specific return, right? If you're just looking for you know value, if you just want a good deal in return, it's way different as opposed to, you know, if you're looking to get, shooting or you're looking to get a point guard or you're looking right. to get sent you know if you just want something of value that's far more widespread and it's it also you, in theory it could open your opportunities but it also i think deals get done when your opportunities get narrowed you know like the fact that jake Crowder is milwaukee atlanta you know there's other teams that are in the mix like i've heard some portland chatter um right um but like it, when you have an actual like door number one, door number two, do not door number three type of scenario. That's when deals get done. If you, if you just have a general idea of you know we want to move him for something good, like that something good is a little bit sometimes it's a little too um, amorphous to actually make something happen. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. 
you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first best first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. How difficult has it been to read the market this season? Because it seems like the parity issue kind of hovers over everything. And it seems like more teams than ever before might be buyers and there are less sellers. And as a result, is that kind of limited the amount of open discussion regarding players in terms of like who they're trying to move or what they're trying to acquire? Because there are so many teams that are this close to a play-in tournament. Like you look at Toronto, a name that's a lot of people are buzzing about. It's not like they're completely out of the playoff race. They're just not achieving the same level of success that you might anticipate from them this season. Having said that, they're they're still winning enough games where they could be considered a borderline playoff team. So is that kind of hanging over all 30 teams at this point? Because there's only a few teams that are really legitimate seller dwellers that might be looking to actually, actually be sellers when it comes to the trade market. Yeah, I think to, to read the market, it's been relatively easy because there isn't that many wrinkles to kind of smooth out and see what's happening. To predict, like, I try I, at this time of year, I definitely kind of look at my job as like a financial analyst, right? Where, like, you don't, like, no one, any investment strategist, anyone who swears they know I can turn your money into this, they're all just making educated guesses at the same point, right? By collecting data. Um, okay. Because these teams don't know what they're going to do. A lot of that is because, you know, you mentioned Toronto. Like, Toronto has been telling teams since the G League showcase in mid December, we are not going to make a decision on what we're going to do until like the final hour in terms of being a seller, a buyer, standing pat, whatever. And for a while, it seemed like the word you kept hearing from team people saying, well, we're still too early to evaluate us. Well, now it's not that. People have evaluated themselves and teams know what they are and what they need, but they're still, it's too early for them still, even though we're a little over a week away to evaluate their chances of finishing X, Y, and Z in the conference because it's so closed up. I mean, the Lakers are the buzziest team as always, right? Because LA, LeBron, they're a little bit misfortunes, you know, this year, but like there's still only three games or whatever it is. I, I, didn't, I haven't looked at the standings since last night out of like the four seed. So that type of volatility, I think, every front office is still kind of gauging their own willingness to spend or, or what have you. Um, so I think also what, you know, is currently kind of happening right now in terms of the marketplace at large is that is, is twofold. It is your, your point, David, about how the parity is just, we've never seen this, you know, wealth of teams that are still in the picture. Um, but we also uh, have gotten to such a place uh, in the last five years or so in the league where deals have pretty much in a recent history have really been conducted between buyers and sellers. And there was a time before, you know, m- you know, more of the analytical minds swept across the league and, and rose to power where deals were just kind of done because one team had a need and the other team had a need deals like the Kristaps Porzingis to Washington for, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie 
um, and Davis Bertans, and even another Washington deal, the KCP for Monty Morris, Will Barton trade. Mm. Um, you know, there was a time, you know, back when the Miami Heat traded Shaquille O'Neal for Sean Marion in parts, or, you know, like, you know, that type of the Jason Kidd trades back to Dallas, you know, for Devin Harrison. Like, there isn't necessarily like a roadmap where, you know, I think this is kind of how the NBA worked for a while. Everyone was just trying to find stretch fours, right? And now, like, yeah. anyone to be playmaking fours. Like, there's a there's a thing that becomes in vogue, whether it's stylistically on the court or an idea transactionally. But this might finally be a position in the market where the prices are kind of all out of whack because of what just happened this summer with Rudy Gobert and DeJounte Murray, where yeah. we might see just a general, this season might be the tip of the iceberg or, or the start of the, of the, uh, of the curve and the X, Y chart where trades get back a little bit more to like, how can we each help each other as opposed to just buyers and sellers coming across the aisle and shaking hands. Yeah. Well, to that point, then, uh, how does it bring it back to what Miami might be looking for, at least in terms of what you may or may not have heard? Because, you know, if you if you listen to any large sampling of heat fandom, you'll get equal numbers, blow it up, equal numbers. We need a point guard or somebody other than Kyle Lowry or a power forward (laughs) because somebody over there over Caleb Martin, who's probably playing out of position, even though, as you pointed out, he's been pretty, pretty solid as a starter overall. So what is it that you think? Miami may be looking for in terms of an acquisition this uh, this February. Yeah. I am pretty plugged into the Heat fan base because my girlfriend is from South Florida and all of her friends are diehard Heat fans. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm I'm familiar with the complaints and I just I'm sorry I'm sorry we our apologies ahead of time because we can't I do can't. anything. We're trying to re- remain positive here, but we're one of the yeah. last few bastions of hope. Yeah, and I just sent a friend, uh, a friend of hers, a link to that study that came out today or whatever. Yeah, the most the negative fan base. Yeah. Most negative fan base. Yeah, I, I, but to bring it back to you know Intel stuff, yeah, the, the power forward position has clearly been one that um, that Miami is is at least engaged in conversations. Let's say I try to upgrade on. Um, I don't really see a ton of options on the board. Yeah. Right, there aren't. You know. Forgive me if Jared Vanderbilt is not, you know, getting Miami, you know, getting me excited as a massive upgrade uh, in the Heat starting lineup. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, and, I mean, the Kyle Lowry stuff was super, super buzzy, dating back to December. Um, and for a long stretch, you would talk to any rival team, agents of players on Miami, pretty much anyone who was not a Miami Heat employee, and they would say. Heat are trying to trade Kyle Lowry. They're shopping Kyle Lowry. And that didn't really seem to be the truth. I think, you know, when teams start calling around and, hey, what would you take for this guy? You like this guy? Whatever. Um, I think sometimes that can get a bit misconstrued. Um, But I think there's clearly, you know, an openness, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's on the books for another massive, massive salary number next season. This play has clearly declined. Um, and there at least seems to be somewhat of an interest in him still. You know, the Clippers get mentioned. Um, I think that's, you know, maybe not necessarily the most realistic outcome. Um, but, I mean, he played with Kawhi Leonard, and they won a title together in 2019, of course. Um, and that is a, a, if there's a, if there's a team that's willing to, you know, uh, take on a big point guard number right now, it might be the Clippers that have a bunch of aggregatable contracts, um, you know, Phoenix is looking at point guards, but they're looking more for like 
everything it sounds like more of a younger guy who could be a backup to Chris Paul now and be his right. long-term replacement. Basically what Miami would in theory be looking for in return for Kyle Larry. The D'Angelo Russell stuff I don't think is very serious as much as they were interested or, or have interest in him. Um, I don't think that has a lot of legs. So, um, and from there, I mean, you always hear that they that they call and, and they're, are, are curious for the opportunity to, to move Duncan Robinson's contract. But I mean, the Heat do relatively move in silence. I hate to say that because I think every fan base likes to think that their front office doesn't have any leaks and no one knows what they're right. doing, blah, blah, blah. Like, right. yes, he are pretty, uh, you know, under the radar in that regard. But also it, it is obvious that they've got a lot of money locked into big time players like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Eric Spolcher is one of the best coaches in league history, arguably, certainly one of the most respected in the league at this present juncture. Pat Riley running the whole thing wants to win games. So I, I would definitely urge Miami Heat fans to uh, be of the belief that, there is certainly a North Star of competition and trying to contend as opposed to uh, blowing it up. I, I would be very surprised if we saw, you know, a dismantling of this roster before between now and February 9th. It's interesting because it, it feels like there's two different things at play here because the Heat obviously want to compete, but they're dealing with some of those financial constraints that you mentioned with the extensions kicking in next year and the luxury tax that they're not going to want to pay for a team that's basically around 500 the way that this one is. The Kyle Lowry contract is there. The Duncan Robinson contract is there. Some other ones are are going to be hitting. Um, so is is sort of when you're talking about the activity that you're hearing from the Miami Heat, is it sort of, all right, let's try to get off some of these salaries, whether it's Lowry or Duncan Robinson, but also try to also thread that needle of we're trying to move some of these salaries, but remain competitive or put us position in a position to maybe make a second trade, like a first trade to get off salary and maybe something secondary between even the trade deadline or maybe even this next offseason that yeah. can kind of get us to where we want to go? Well, the offseason point is a great point because this is something everyone talks about as it pertains to Toronto and their decision-making because in general at large, um, it's easier to make bigger deals in the offseason. You can carry more roster spots. Um, there's less you know, day-to-day pressures to get things done when you're currently trying to improve a season that's happening. Um, but I think in particular with Miami, like their big moves have very traditionally happened in the summer. Um, and, you know, people were so super curious when they made that trade with OKC this time last year to free up that extra pick and thought, you know, what's this, what's this spelling out? Like, what, what's Miami going to do here? Um, I, I do think that um, there would seem to be far more opportunity for them to make more of a drastic move in the summer. Um, but to your, also, a question about the salary stuff. I think you know to get anyone of real consequence, they're gonna. I mean, that player is probably making twenty million dollars or more, right? So, just to match salary purposes, um, if if it's not Kyle Lowry, if you're adding to your core, Duncan's salary just is kind of, you know, by default the salary that would seem to have to be outgoing, um, especially when Max Struess is coming up and Gabe Vincent is coming up. Um, but then again, like people are wondering how much Duncan's contract and how it ended up unfolding will, you know, impact those negotiations with re-signing those guys beyond them when you can just find another Haywood Highsmith, you know, whenever you want, if you're Miami, apparently. So, um, I think to, to really answer your question, it could be a mix of both, right? Where they could look to, 
maybe like offload Duncan and th- like I mean you would be offloading but to take on another contract that you like better while maybe giving up one more asset maybe you're getting that OKC uh, pick flexibility to you know throw in one more pick to get the player while you're also offloading the player but um, I haven't heard of any real framework that's like truly happening there so um, honestly. I would temper expectations that that like I I really don't think there's going to be you know some big game hunting from Miami right now. But come the summertime, uh, I, I think especially if their expectations are not met, if this is a team that flames out in the first round, um, you know I I, I think I, I, then I would start to prepare Miami fans for for something big on the horizon. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know a lot of people made the goal of trying to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, you want to do that, don't want to compromise taste, however, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you, but they're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, to be honest with you, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't need to wait around to get a box either. For years, we've been talking about ordering your bar at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut pasta. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Go to Built.com or your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club today. That's been our point of view as well. We've been telling everybody that we don't anticipate something major happening just because there's a general lack of interest in Miami's quote unquote assets. Uh, I, we don't see that there's a lot of teams clamoring for a Duncan Robinson at his salary or Kyle Lowry at his age point and things of that sort. So it doesn't seem like there's likely to get a major deal done this February. But if there is one move to be made, it's probably going to be unloading uh, Dwayne Dedman at some point. Have you heard anything about their interest in trying to unload Dedman? So to be honest, that's all my list of calls to make this week. Okay. I want to learn right. more about the Dwayne Dedman situation. I will say that because, okay. I, I mean, backup center is definitely a position that has right. some type of movement right now. Or just there's discussion around it, right? There's a lot of teams that are looking for for backup bigs. You know, The Clippers get mentioned there. Um, you know, Nas Reed is a player that a lot of teams have interest in. He's upcoming for a contract. Um, you know, it seems like my Minnesota would like to keep him, but any contract expiration certainly presents a trade opportunity, um, the deadline before. Um, so it, it's a, it's a curious, um, you know, if we, if we go back to grade school and that exercise of like column A and column B, and you have to draw a line, you know, to do that, I think, the backup center page where you have teams who are interested and centers who could be available guys who are making, you know, roughly the mid level um, and, and below, because there's a, there's a, it's a very interesting topic around the league right now of do you pay your backup more than a minimum salary contract? Like Drew Eubanks in Portland, for example, mm-hmm. is doing an admirable job, but let's say, and he's not, you know, he's making $9 million less than Isaiah Hartenstein up in New York. So, um, 
that's that's a an aspect of the trade market that I am curious about in general, the backup center position. And obviously, Dwayne has not been uh, an exemplary contributing player so far uh, at the stretch of the season, right? So, yeah, that's yeah. a his situation is one I'm curious about. Last thing, Jake, and th- thank, thanks for thanks for joining us here. But last yeah. thing, is there a name or or something that people should be looking for that maybe we haven't really talked about a whole lot yet? Maybe it's in connection to the Heat, maybe not. But um, anything that you could think of in terms of maybe a, a name, a player that people haven't really been paying that much attention to or talking about a whole lot. I mean, Bones Highlands w- was kind of like a new name that I heard last week that um, it seems like I woke up Monday and there were like four other reports about Bones Highland and uh, people are interested in him. That's That's been an interesting one to me. Um, I don't know if it makes more sense to Miami, right? I mean, the game situation we talked about, but um, he's a name that I'm, I'm curious where he ends up going. Um, and I would just – I'd be curious about Dallas just as a team mm. perspective, being that, you know, they're succeeding more than, you know, the Torontos and the Miamis and the Chicago's of the world, but they are not exactly where Denver is or where Boston and Milwaukee and Philly are of teams who are, you know, really have contending type of goals and a top five type player. Um, so there's just a lot of chatter about what does Dallas want to do? What are they trying to acquire? I mean, I got very linked to Zach Levine, right? Like, it's it's uh, it's interesting the position that Dallas is in because they have such a good player in Luca, and they're still doing well, but they're not quite where you know the Mavericks would want to be. So, I'm not connecting bones to Dallas by any stretch, but those are just two thoughts that um, that came to mind. Jake Fisher does an awesome job, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports. Jake, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck to your Eagles on Super Bowl Sunday, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the time and the hospitality. Thanks again to Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports for joining us today, and thank you for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Ring the bell to get notified as soon as new episodes go up. Now make your second listen game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game-to-Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game-to-Game on Locked On NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.